We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show presented by Rotor Grinders. I'm your host, Travis Mangone, here back with the two usual suspects. We got Stuart. We got Brandon Adams. We'll kick it off with you first, Stuart. How's it going over there? How was your week four? Week four is good. I had the best uh, best week of 2019 so far for me, um, cash and tournament. So excited about that. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, October is like the best sports month of the year. I'm super excited for uh, baseball playoffs starting up. I'm a big Astros fan, and I think uh, they might have the juice this year again. And uh, you know, basketball starting mid, mid-month. And uh, yeah, just uh, looking forward to uh, to the fall and uh, getting that getting those power three sports going all at the same time. Yeah, I'm with you. I love this time of year. It's absolutely great time. Uh, all the sports are going on. Uh, we'll kick it off with you, Brandon, and you're always busy. So is this busy time of year uh, just too much for you to handle? And uh, how was your week four? Week four was excellent. I think it was my best week so far. I had a third in the big 4000 contest on DraftKings, $4,000 contest. Uh, Woods got there for me, golf and Woods. Um. Yeah, October. I love it. It's uh, it is a very busy time, but I'm in the office every day. I'm not traveling around too much. It's it's a good good time. 
Yeah, I am with you on that. I absolutely love this time of year. Uh, excited. We got Thursday night football going on. We got all the sports going on. So it's a good time. Week four wasn't bad for me. Uh, my best so far. But the first three weeks weren't the best. But that's okay. Uh, you know, we had a very, very long season. And uh, I'm feeling pretty good about this week from cash games, tournaments. I think there's a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, before we do that, though, let's dive in and talk about a little bit of week four review because it's important to look back on what happened. And uh, what really happened was the the running backs crushed, right? Uh, all that running back volume went well. Uh, we also saw a guy like Chris Godwin, uh, like Brandon talked about on week one show, talked about how these receivers just have this absolutely crazy ceiling. If you can find that low on guy, they can pop off. And what do you know? Chris Godwin popped off for a big game and the Bucks beat the Rams. So much different stuff went down. Uh, Brandon, we'll kick it off with you. What was your review of that week? So, um, it was a week where I, I had promised that I wouldn't play McCaffrey all season and the, the lineups that did well had McCaffrey. Uh, we were chatting earlier on the show about how it's been, it's been a long stretch where you're doing well playing uh, chalky high-end running backs and then punting a little bit at receiver. That's exactly how my most successful lineup looked. I had... I had McCaffrey, Eckler, and Gallman as my three running backs. Uh, I broke my rules there. First of all, I don't play McCaffrey. I don't play running backs that are priced so highly, although I am more inclined to do it in a small field tournament. Um, I typically don't play the third running back in the flex in the tournament. And uh, in this case, I, I played those three running backs who were all very chalky, all above 25% owned. And I played Inman and Quinn, who I thought were both great plays at the, at the low salaries. Uh, Quinn was a complete dud, but it didn't matter at the price. And Goff and Woods completely went off. <laughs> Yeah, it was an awesome week. Uh, what about you, Stuart? Like, listen, uh, you know, Brandon, he did the, uh, you know, went away from McCaffrey, broke one of his rules. Were there any rules that you broke this week? I mean, I thought I wasn't going to be playing Goldman early in the week. Uh, even though the volume was there, I was kind of had some concerns about his efficiency. But, uh, yeah, made the fortunate uh, 3v3 switch from, uh, I think it was Hawkinson, Lockett, Chris Thompson to Galladay, Disley, uh Gallman and I mean man that, <laughs> that was a huge swing for me um yeah and just uh I was really focused on that Tampa Bay LA game uh our projection model was showing that as just a really high potential game for air yards uh two teams that like to air it out and uh yeah I mean my my kind of focus there was to try to play all the guys that I mean, with Tampa Bay, it just seems like every week, you know, whoever went off last week, play the other guy. Um, and with L.A., just uh, trying not to get too, uh, you know, in love with Cup and give give some love to uh, to Woods and uh, Cooks. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the Woods-Cup uh, lineup that I ran did, did quite well. Um, yeah, uh, this, this week's, though, looking tough. I mean, I feel like I was kind of uh, – seeing the board well last week and this week I don't know I'm kind of looking at it and just like not really sure what I want to do it's a, it's a bit of an intimidating slate uh so um yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see uh see what we can flush out uh throughout the show listen Stuart you sound like you have it all figured out with the Bucks. so tell me when the OJ Howard week is happening because well, uh <laughs> that's a, so I I was trying to make it happen as well and, and unfortunately did uh Howard with my cup woods lineup 
and Godwin with my Cooks Cup, cup line. Uh, so yeah, I kind of still wasn't wasn't quite on it, but uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I, I thought uh, I thought there was a chance for it last week, and uh, still didn't happen. So I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm going to hold my breath for too much longer to wait to wait for that week to happen. But, Travis, you 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 look like you play a little bit of season long. It's it's pretty insane how the fashionable season long players have been complete duds in DFS. Oh yeah, the OJ Howard chairs are not going well over there for me. But yeah. uh, listen, it's it's okay. We're gonna keep powering through. Uh, I did a couple of like the week five best balls, and uh, I I still took some Howard late. But uh, you know that that game went absolutely crazy. And like the funny thing is, like that like look back on that game. I kind of like try to like sit and look back at what happened. And like that game had like a fifty total, right? It was in the forty nine. And I think everyone thought, oh, this game is gonna be super high owned, and it's like. Well, yeah, some of the guys had ownership, but people gravitated to these other areas, right? Like it was Daniel Jones was high owned. Wayne Gallman had ownership. The cheap Redskins receivers. Everyone was on Keenan Allen. Like I think sometimes people say, oh, these high owned, these high total games are always going to be high owned. And I feel like that's not always the case. And I'm starting to try and figure that out this week. Like are the Texans, are the Falcons guys going to be really high owned? Like is Julio going to be a super high owned guy? We can kind of segue, I guess, into our next segment where we talk about in tournaments, running backs and wide receivers and kind of breaking down how to use them. And part of me is looking back at last week and not trying to say to myself, let me do what just happened last week and it'll work, right? Let me stack up Julio and Hopkins in that high total game and it'll work out. Um, and looking at last week, I feel like people are going to play running back. So I'm thinking those two guys may be lower owned. Maybe I'm crazy. I haven't looked at too much ownership because I try not to look at it too early in the week, but uh, I'll kick it off with you first, Stuart. Uh, the high-end receivers, right? Are we going to get this week's high-end receivers a little bit lower? And like from a tournament perspective, like, um, should we be basically attacking those uh, receivers in those high total games because there's just so much shootout potential? Yeah, I mean, I wonder if like people get at receiver like some paralysis by analysis where, you know, like with running back, right, the volume's pretty predictable. You know, uh, for the most part, which running backs are going to get the touches. But a receiver, like you don't, you know, kind of as a team, there might be a certain, uh, you know, amount of air yards volume that will be divvied up. But especially like LA, I think in particular is a team where it's just like some people don't, or like, I, don't, I mean, even, I don't know, like no one knows kind of how that volume is going to get divvied up on a game by game basis. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think people sometimes fade that in favor of like a more predictable volume share, like Keenan Allen uh, and, you know, the rest of, you know, LA's non-existent receiving core. And um, yeah, so I don't know, maybe, maybe that kind of turns people off of some of those uh, high scoring games where they just like, we can't really figure out, uh, you know, who who's going to get the lion's share of targets or you know, red zone looks or air yards volume. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think rather than just like avoid those games, the approach is probably to just like sprinkle in mixes of those receiving cores with the quarterbacks you like. Um, I certainly won't be off of, you know, Houston and Atlanta this week. Uh, I think that's just clearly like the, the, the top game uh, from kind of a shootout perspective. Um so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a good point. Like, you're right. I mean, Godwin was, like, what, uh, less than a percentage point owned? Like, I mean, that's that's crazy. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It does seem like a, a, you know, position that we can attack as we're running back. Maybe just best to stick with what people are doing most uh, kind of going to value. Yeah, so this is, like, the thing. Like, and I just pulled up ownership just to check that we have here on Roto-Grinders. And, like, the highest receiver right now that we have currently on DraftKings, it's Keenan Allen at 28.2%, which makes sense, right? All the volume he's seeing. Uh, we're not worried about Chris Harris Jr. being in the slot too that much because he hasn't been playing there all season long. 
then we have Michael Thomas at, at 19.4%. I mean, he's just too cheap at 6.6K, right, against the Bucks. So that makes a ton of sense because they're kind of a funnel pass D. Then you got Larry Fitzgerald with the, how banged up they are against the Bengals, 24.9%. You finally get the Hopkins and Julio where they're at 11% and 9%. Like, Brandon, you talked about this in week one, how these – High-end receivers just have ceilings that guys like McCaffrey, you know, guys like uh, Barkley and Elliott, they just can't reach that ceiling like like these other guys can. So what do you think about the high-end receivers? Are you still paying up for those guys? And uh, are you fading McCaffrey again this week? Because the people got to know after last week. Oh, yeah, definitely fading McCaffrey this week. Um, the, the only case for playing him is that you have some, some great low-priced wide receivers uh, guys like Auden Tate, uh, you have some, you have some great sort of low priced air yards guys, and that might get you on the high end running backs. That's kind of what happened last week. You had Inman and Quinn, the very unusual situation of min price wide receivers that are viable. Um, <clears throat> you, you have some strong value again on cheap guys this week, which might push you in your builds to have a sprinkling of, of the McCaffrey's of the world, but that's not kind of the way I'm going. I'm going to be, I'm going to be going probably like one mid priced running back, one low priced running back, and then uh, a few super high end wide receivers like, like Keenan, Thomas Hopkins, Julio. Yeah, and uh, Stuart, let's talk about another situation. Uh, a guy like Adam Thielen, for instance. Like we, we know, Stefan Diggs is having some issues right now. We don't know what's going to happen there, and they're going. Then they're going against the Giants. Like I said before, uh, where you can get some of these game stacks more lower on. I don't think anyone's game stacking the Vikings and the Giants, and I could see Thielen getting ownership throughout the week, depending on what happens on Friday, uh, particularly. So, uh, from an ownership perspective, like what are you kind of doing with the receivers? Like, are you taking shots on guys like Tate? Uh, are you going to take those cheap value plays? Is he someone that's worth fading for you? Because I think he's going to be a very high owned play. And one of my fears with him is he's a six, five guy. That's really not that fast. So is he like chalk that you want to play this week? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I like Tate. Just the price is uh, very low with John Ross out. I think that opens up some volume for the Cincinnati team against like an Arizona defense that, hasn't really been able to stop many people. And um, yeah, I mean, you're right. Tate is big and slow, uh, but Arizona's, I mean, has really struggled with tight ends this year. And uh, I don't know, like Tate almost kind of plays like a wide receiver as tight end game. Um, I don't know. I'm not that familiar with him as a player, but you know, the metrics have been there, kind of the volume has been there in recent weeks. And I think that only looks to, uh, you know, ratchet up as uh, John Ross, you know, is, is out this week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Tate's intriguing. If, uh, you know, Darnold comes back, like Jamison Crowder's price has been falling, and I think he uh, looked really good in sync with Darnold week one, and I think that's kind of, a, you know, one area we could go. Um, but I don't know. I'm actually not, like, seeing a ton, a ton of value um, outside of, like, Tate at the at the really low-end uh, kind of price range for receivers. And, and that's kind of, like, why I'm saying this is a challenging week for me is, like, I think uh, last week there was some good value at running back that allowed you to pay up in the spots you wanted to. And like, I'm kind of having a hard time finding clear value uh, both low at receiver and running back this week. And um, yeah, no, I'm with, with you on Thielen. Uh, I mean, his kind of his air yards metrics are there. He's uh, towards the top of uh, the league in terms of team market share of air yards. 
Um, yeah, and I think ownership could be low on him. I, I, I do think kind of the like the expectation uh, for Thielen as far as like game script goes is Minnesota gets ahead and Mike Zimmer and that kind of coaching staff has been very run heavy uh, when playing from ahead. We actually just added like a neat little uh, kind of net run and pass tendency of coaching staffs to one of our applications that we'll show off later uh, that shows Minnesota as a team that, you know, will run the ball very heavily uh, when, when given the opportunity. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think like in tournaments, you're always kind of trying to uh, have some of your lineups that play for like uh, non-expectation game scripts. And uh, yeah, New York can keep that game close. I mean, I, I think, uh, yeah, Thielen's a great play. Um, you know, if we can, if we can keep, Minnesota and kind of not this super run heavy Dalvin Cook uh, mode offense. Yeah, Brandon, let, let's get back to talking about running backs a little bit because I have a question that I want to kind of go towards you because I talked about with you early in week one. I talked about the volume, right? And how volume running backs are just, uh, they're getting so much work. And a guy like Leonard Fournette, for instance, like, are we supposed to just keep buying on these guys right now until the prices get too high? You see a guy like David Johnson, for instance, like he's a volume back that's still 6,800 on FanDuel specifically. Uh, that's just too cheap of a price tag. Like, is that chalk you want to eat there? Or are you just saying, you know, let me deviate to another play. Uh, Let me just find a guy, instead of taking David Chalk at 30% or David Johnson at 30% in a tournament, maybe I'll go to a guy that's 5% in the same range. Yeah, so it's kind of a long discussion. Um, But one of the reasons why... I like to play the high priced wide receivers and, and be a little bit more contrarian than most people at running back is uh, if you look at what the teams actually pay guys, they, they really pay up for their, their wide receivers. And there, there is a tremendous tendency for the top wide receivers this year to be the same as the top wide receivers last year and the top wide receivers a couple years ago running back. That's just not the case. I mean, you just, you, you've been around DFS for a long time. Stewart has followed DFS for a long time. The guys that we think of as the top five running backs just have a tremendous amount of variation. Like that list is just varying all the time based on situation and opportunity. And the fact that the teams pay them a lot less than the wide receivers also suggests that it is a lot more a function of what the offensive line is like at that given time, what the opportunity set is the game plan of the coaches and less about the individual player. Um, So I'm more comfortable spending up at wide receiver it's a more repeatable skill set it's like uh the top wide receivers repeat in the same way that the top hitters in baseball repeat year after year we can be confident trout will be in the top five for the next few years and that's just the way that it is um so running backs the way the way that we make errors in thinking about them is, is similar to the way we make errors in thinking about pitching where we do we do rely a little bit too much on recent data and the evidence suggests we'd be better off um relying on the the longer set of data so i think the pitching data might show that you have three or four truly ace pitchers that make huge differences in the money lines of their of their respective games 
And the market will sometimes make a mistake where they, they think that instead of that being three or four aces, it's in fact seven or eight aces because they, they group in like the four hot hands with the three uh, long-term superstars. With, with running backs, I think, I think you can um, go with the longer set of data. I'm, I'm really comfortable this week with a lot of the, uh, the mid-priced guys that are proven winners. Um, I like um, David Johnson quite a lot. Um, I like Fournette, although our data, he turned around his, his per carry quite a lot last week, but our data hasn't been so favorable on him so far. Um, I think Zeke would be a reasonable play just because you can afford to, to spend up a little bit. Um, so um, it, there's a lot of uncertainty about the charger situation. I'll have to read a bit more about that, but, but Eckler has been a strong play so far. Yeah, we kind of have to wait on that. But uh, I do want to talk about this mid-range real quick and more from like a tournament perspective and just kind of general strategy because this is kind of the thinking I'm starting to get around. Like, yeah, I love in cash games paying up for guys like McCaffrey, Kamara, Cook, Ellie. I love paying up for those guys. I think they create just such safe floors for you. But going to these volume guys, right, the David Johnsons, the Fournettes, Aaron Jones, who sees a ton of volume, Joe Mixon, who's going to get just so much volume there. Uh, you know, Gio Bernard, gets, Gio Bernard gets in there too, but that's when they're down more so. And if they happen to be trail, uh, happen to be up, that's huge. Devontae Freeman gets a significant amount of volume. You got a guy like David Montgomery who's going to see uh, some pretty decent work in where you can have a positive game script. Uh, I think getting in those volume guys and then getting in those high upside receivers is a smart route to go. Uh, Stuart, is that kind of the strategy that you're thinking uh, of kind of attacking at least for the rest of the year? Because that's kind of where I'm at. I'm curious where you're at. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to try to seek out those guys who do have kind of guaranteed volume. Uh, Aaron Jones, the guy you mentioned, uh, who, assuming Jamal Williams is out, should be insured a lot of volume. But I, I do want those volume guys that have, like, efficiency and pop. I think Aaron Jones is a great example. I think, uh, like, his per-touch fantasy point efficiency is, like, over a point per touch for a guy like Leonard Fournette's only down at, like, seven, you know, 0.7 uh, points. Um Mixon, his volume's been climbing, but he just hasn't been very effective uh, so far this year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do think he's got a great matchup. I kind of am going to have to decide on Mixon. Uh, Wayne Goldman's a guy I might be tempted to go back to. Uh, his price has kind of crept up, and I do feel like that may that might scare people off of him a little bit. Uh, but I was really impressed. I actually watched that game uh, – in full last week and was pretty impressed by his like pass catching ability. So I do think, um, you know, he has an opportunity to even be boosted by uh, the game script against Minnesota this week. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I can't see myself playing too much for net. I mean, I was looking at just his uh, volume last week and I mean, it's just his volume and efficiency last week. And I mean, they were just insane, like uh, outlier performances. Uh, he, you know, uh, last week was like a second kind of, not his career high, but his second highest performance in terms of fantasy points per rush attempt at, uh, you know, almost 0.8 points per rush attempt. And I think his like average over the last two years has been down uh, like in the, you know, five, like half a point per rush attempt. So like, I just can't see him replicating that. And um, like also just his, his market share wasn't, it's not like his market share was like insane last week. It's just, uh, 
Jacksonville just ran a ton of plays. I mean, they had 71 uh, touches available. So that's either passes to a receiver or slash running back, uh, design runs to a running back or quarterback. Um, 71, and I think the the three games preceding these, they didn't even ever top 50. So, like, I don't know. I, 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 I think Fournette, like, the volume makes him – a reasonable play in cash, but I don't know. I, I'm kind of, we'll see what like ownership projections are on him, but I do think that's a chalky play that I'm going to want to avoid in tournaments at the moment. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see kind of as the weekend approaches is kind of if I reevaluate that and see myself back towards Fournette. But uh, I think kind of this year I've been trying to avoid Fournette. Um, so, yeah. All right, Brandon, anything to talk about with like the running back wide receiver construction, things that you're looking at this week, things you're looking at from last week that you want to discuss? Yeah, so I think this is a week where you, just like last week, you don't gain so much by paying down at running back because you do have some some good wide receiver pun options. But um, there are a lot of guys with historic pop in the mid-range that you could punt in the big field tournaments uh, like – Lindsay, James White hasn't had one of his eight reception games this year, but it's always the possibility. Devonta Freeman is going to have that big game at some point this year. It hasn't happened yet. Josh Jacobs, Chicago has looked very tough, but 4,500 is an appealing tag. Uh, Carlos Hyde has some pop 4,300. That's quite appealing. Um, even Chris Thompson, some pop. Uh, and if you're talking 300,000 person tournaments, like a, like a Duke Johnson or something like this. So, so the, there it, it's worthy to take the uh, one or two 4k punts. If you're in a really big field tournament. All righty, let's head on over. Let's talk uh, about the air yards projections. We want to talk about that a little bit, kind of, going back to like what happened last week with the Rams and Bucks, Stuart, I think you can kick us off with that. Uh, what's your takes on some air yard projection stuff for this week? Yeah. So I wanted to pull up a uh, tool that we have at ASA. Um, it's a kind of hybrid air yards projection tool and play count uh, projection tool. Uh, there's some pretty clever uh, like machine learning algorithms that sit underneath these projection models that incorporate uh, kind of, historic coaching staff specific trends and team trends over the past year. Um, and kind of does some, some quantitative aggregation to produce projections for how many air yards we can expect a team to, um, you know, generate in a given game based on, like I said, coaching staff and also just like spreading over under um, this week. Let me pull up only our Sunday slate. Um, and like not that surprisingly, uh, t- well, Tampa Bay sitting atop. They they've been uh, a team that's really been air yards heavy so far this year. And uh, Bruce Arians, kind of throughout his coaching career, has been a guy who uh, tends to be pretty air yards heavy. But um, I don't know New Orleans. Like as far as from a game stacking standpoint, New Orleans doesn't seem to really be able to uh, kind of answer Tampa Bay's air yards focused approach. And so I think the game like I'm keen in on is. Uh, Atlanta and Houston. I know it's the highest total on the board, but I do think uh, it, uh, you know, deserves uh, the gravity that I think uh, we're going to be giving it. They project as two of our four uh, highest air yards teams on the main slate. Um, so that's a game I'm definitely going to be focusing on. I, I like just also the assortment of 
pass pass catchers and pass throwers between those two teams. Um, so I think that's a really strong game that our model is suggesting has that big potential to go. Um, aside from those two teams, I and mean, do you think kind of a sneaky one here is Baltimore versus Pittsburgh? Um, the Pittsburgh kind of area projection, I think, is going to be a little skewed. Um, Randy Fitchner has historically been a pretty pass-heavy, areas-focused offensive coordinator with Pittsburgh. Um, but that's obviously with Big Ben as their quarterback. And now with Mason Rudolph, we've actually seen Pittsburgh kind of limit their their uh, downfield passing. Um, but I do think Baltimore is like a really intriguing uh, stack. And, and I do wonder if people are going to be kind of off Lamar Jackson, given he's the most expensive quarterback on the slate. And, uh, yeah, I do like a couple of those weapons he has to throw to, particularly Marquise Brown, who has uh, really been hoarding a lot of Baltimore's air yards. And uh, Mark Andrews has been, I think, a really nice uh, safety valve kind of target for for Lamar Jackson and a guy that he's been targeting in the red zone. So those are a couple games that are are popping in our model um, as being ones that have kind of a downfield – potential to produce a very like downfield focused environment. And I don't know, beyond that, like I was looking through kind of our projections as of now, and like there aren't too many other games that are like really stacking up as two teams that could really air it out. I mean, sneaky new England and Washington are in there. Um, I do have, you know, I do think kind of Washington's projection could be a little uh, biased down if we see Dwayne Haskins instead of case Keenum, which I assume we will um but yeah so that that's what we're looking at this week um if you guys are interested in checking out this tool you can view it on the site and it's got our projections as well as just historic coaching tendencies in terms of how many pass and run plays they're running per game uh you know the a dot of coaches historically um we just have this new feature net run play net pass play net area yards play where um we're not only looking at how many air yards or pass plays a coach is running per game, but uh, scaling that to the game, uh, the game script that they're in. So it's, you know, scaling based on uh, win probability of, uh, you know, each or win probability when each play is run, uh, you know, yard line down yards to go time remaining on the clock, et cetera. And trying to tease out like which coaches are, uh, kind of running the ball or passing the ball more than we might expect given the game environment that they're in. Um, so I think that's going to be kind of an interesting, uh, you know, feature for the tool. And, and we're, we've now started incorporating that into our uh, air yards and play projection algorithms. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at this week. Yeah. I also think Marquise Brown, one of the air yards guys you talked about, he, he's going to be lower owned. Like the past two weeks, he's really burned some people and uh, you know, prices, you know, prices, uh, you know, not, not, he's in the price, same price range as Larry Fitzgerald, who's going to be super chalky. So could be, could be a really nice pivot there. Uh, Brandon, do you have anything on the air yards projections? Uh, any games that you're looking at that uh, you have any interest? Well, for me, uh, you've got some of the low price guys that sort of, have always been there in terms of air yards that that have some appeal this week so uh somebody like will fuller who's not going to be a popular play and isn't a great equity play um great great tournament guy from a from an air yards perspective i will definitely uh have a good bit of him um geronimo Allison might be a reasonable play. John Brown is a good play. Uh, Cortland Sutton, again, sort of a low 
equity play and won't be popular, but he's an air yards guy who, who could get there in one play and you could, you could see him conceivably having a 30 fantasy point game. Um, <clears throat> Allen Robinson is a, is a reasonable tournament play. Um, yeah. And I think you could, you could take some chances on the, on the Carolina guys as well. DJ Moore rates rates pretty well. Yeah. The one guy that you mentioned that I really like is Will Fuller. Just if you look at his price range, like he, there's just, there's guys in that range where he's just underpriced for what he can do. And like, no one has that ceiling that he has really at that price. That's the thing I love about him. And we're shooting for ceilings, right? Uh, you talked about that week one on our first show, like trying to look at ceiling projections and trying to hit those things. And uh, at that price, like the, the ceiling is there. Uh, it's absolutely massive. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on on that, Stuart? Or do you want to uh, head on over and talk about some of our week five picks? Yeah, I'm good to go to week five. Also, right. yeah, not to get into a long tangent, but um, we were chatting earlier about Minnesota and New York Giants maybe stacking that game. Um, that's the kind of play maybe I wouldn't make this week um, because – First of all, Minnesota, they've showed, shown a demonstrated tendency to run this year, which might change, but I would, I would rather just avoid the pass catchers for now. Um, then also, if you look at the total of that game, which is around 43 and a half, um, what we're really looking for this week is the probability of of the games scoring over 60 fantasy points or over 65 fantasy points. Cause that's where the, the winning lineups are going to come from just as they did last week. Um, the higher total games like the Atlanta game are going to be much, much more likely to, to get to that level. And in terms of just, ability to heat up you want games with strong quarterbacks you want games that are close and you want games that are high totals so the new england game it has a high total but it's not close so you're not likely to get that that back and forth um so this week you really want to be strongly focused on uh the dallas game the cincinnati game and the atlanta game and most of your focus is going to be, uh, and then the Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and then most of your focus is properly on those games. Um, and the other games, not to say ignored, but I'll be playing very, very little of the other games. And, you know, you can have a shot, as we said, on a Cortland Sutton. Um, but for me, I, I won't have a lot of chargers because, Denver to me doesn't have a potent enough offense to to get that shootout type game with the Chargers. I don't I don't really see that as the game that's going to boil over. Um, anyway, that's just where I am. Like you say, uh, it's a race against the clock, Brandon. Right, uh, and uh, it, you, there's nothing more tilting than you see a team head into the fourth quarter. They're up ten, and then they're just handing the ball off to their running back all game long. Like you just instantly lose like you know, 25% of the game, it feels like when that, when that happens. So uh, definitely can be a concern. So I get that. You want those games that are going to go back and forth. And a lot of the games you mentioned definitely do that. Uh, any final thoughts on this subject? You want to move on to the week five picks? We can move on. 
All righty. Let's talk about the picks, guys, because, uh, listen, that's why the people are here, right? They want to know who the winners are. And uh, some of the winners this week at quarterbacks, Stuart, give them to me. Uh, who are the quarterbacks that you really like that you think are going to have massive games? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I think we'll start with that uh, Houston-Atlanta game. I, I think uh, Deshaun Watson's and Matt Ryan are in great spots. Uh, Watson's been, I think, a little underwhelming this year, but uh, that Atlanta defense, I think, uh, is pretty porous, and uh, I like, you know, the Houston's ability to get downfield. Uh, I mean, do have some concerns about kind of the Texans' offensive line, but, um, yeah, I think, I think both those guys are in really good spots. Um, I see myself actually preferring – uh, the Atlanta side of, I guess, this this quarterback uh, kind of comparison just on account of price. And um, I think game script maybe favors uh, Atlanta a little better if Houston kind of gets up and uh, Atlanta's forced to really attempt to push the ball downfield. Down um, so those two guys I'm looking at, um, I don't know, Carson, Carson Wentz, like, feels <clears throat> a bit under price. Um, but I do have concerns about, uh, you know, game flow if Philadelphia is able to get up early. Uh, Doug Peterson's not like super quick to abandon the passing game, but um, yeah, I still have some concerns if Philadelphia is able to put it away pretty quickly. Yeah, listen, Watson and Ryan, those are two guys I'm looking at. Uh, I heard some people like talking earlier in the week. I was on a podcast and they're talking Andy Dalton because like obviously the Cardinals, right? Like they're they're good to attack, but I'd rather go up to Matt Ryan at 5,900. I think he is a phenomenal play. Uh, we also talk about team totals, right? How important team totals are to quarterback production. Uh, that is always very valuable. And Dak Prescott's a guy who's certainly in play. And he's got that rushing upside. Uh, Brandon, what's your take on, uh, you know, guys like Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers, where they can have a huge shootout potential in that game and some other quarterbacks you're looking at? Sure. So uh, quarterback is really a different position where um, I'm not afraid to go with the blowout games. Uh, I've just looked at historical data and, if you take say New England, for example, 28.8 implied total versus 13.8 for Washington. Um, even though that game's never going to shoot out, it, it, it's still, it's still possible for Brady to be the, the QB one on the week. Um, I'm not necessarily afraid of playing the quarterbacks in the, in the blowouts. I won't really be playing a lot of Brady this week, but it, you shouldn't necessarily shy away in the, in the high spread games. Um, like wins is viable this week. Um, for me, uh, Watson, yeah, Watson will be a staple. I'll play him a lot more than Ryan, just sort of believing the, the Vegas numbers on that one, uh, where Houston is a pretty, pretty big favorite. Um, Dak, uh, was a real puzzle. Um, I was shocked at how poorly he played against New Orleans. Um, I think I could put that game behind me and just go with it for, for this week. Just pretend I didn't, I didn't see that with my own eyes. Um, so I think, yeah, I'll have a lot of Watson, Dak, Ryan, and those will sort of be my staples. Alrighty, Stuart, any cheap quarterbacks you want to go to? Uh, you know, Daniel Jones, I'm not going back to the well on him this week. I'll take a pass. Uh, but I don't know. This is a really tough, cheap quarterback week. I think it's one of the better chances to just, you know, kind of pay up, stay in the mid-tier, not really gamble on too many of these cheap quarterbacks. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I yeah, I think, think paying up or kind of staying in the mid-tier is the way to go. Um, I mean, 
Chase Daniel and Joe Flacco are priced way, way down. Um, I think I probably prefer Daniel of the uh, two of those. But, yeah, totally with you. I mean, I don't know if that's a play I'm actually going to make. But if I, you know, had to pick a low guy, uh, you know, Daniel's intriguing just on account of how low he's priced. What about you, Brian? Are you jamming in some of those running backs and receivers so much that you need to get some cheaper quarterbacks in? Um, no, I, I've, I've mentioned my philosophy on this before. And, uh, I think people should pay up for a quarterback a little bit more often than they do. Um, if you look at the long history of DraftKings quarterback production and quarterback pricing, what's happened is that the pricing has both come down over time and the range has condensed. So the top projected quarterbacks are priced more similarly than ever before to the uh, lowest projected quarterbacks. Um, to me, you should be paying for the, the top projected quarterbacks more than ever before because of that condensed lower pricing. Um, there's a couple of more things that should lead you to play the higher priced quarterbacks. If you, if you look at a good set of projections on a given week, what you'll typically find is that the highest projected fantasy points per dollar are often coming from the quarterback category. That alone suggests that you should be allocating more salary dollars to the quarterback position. Um, so it's, it's not unusual for, for like the top projected quarterback to be, let's say, high twos per fantasy point, um, projected fantasy point per salary dollar, whereas no wide receiver is projected that high for, for the week. That, that wouldn't be an unusual situation. So um, naturally, you should allocate more salary dollars to that position. That's a high productivity position. Um, the, the third and final thing that should lead you to pay up more for quarterback is that if you're going to win a tournament, um, you need to have wide receiver one in your lineup for the week. And if, and you need to have one of the top three tight ends. You need to have one of the top four running backs. Um, you need to like nail certain positions like wide receiver. You need to nail that. And there are, a fair number of weeks where there's some very productive wide receiver or running back where if you don't have that one guy, you can't possibly win. Right. Uh, that almost never happens with quarterbacks. Typically quarterbacks one through four on the week are clustered fairly tightly in performance. Um, and you can win a, a tournament, maybe not a 300,000 person tournament, but a 5,000 person tournament with, with QB three on the week uh, just because QB three might only be three or four fantasy points behind QB one. And you can make that up in plenty of other spots. Um, so I don't know for me, uh, all this, I I'm inclined to, uh, to, to, to pay up for quality quarterbacks. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I'm starting to get more excited about paying for quarterbacks more. Uh, it just depends on the cheap values there, right? Like a guy like Kyle Allen was really tough to pass up uh, two weeks ago. Let's move back on over to the running backs. And at the top, uh, you know, let's start with there, Stuart. Like there are so many good options to go to, right? Uh, there are so many good running backs. You got McCaffrey, Kamara, Cook, Elliott. Uh, who's your favorite one of the bunch? And uh, do you think it's a week where it's worth paying up for running backs for sure? Yeah, I mean, I think in cash, I – I think there's a pretty good chance I'll find myself all the way up to uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I mean, as discussed, like the volume is there unquestionably. Uh, the per touch efficiency is there unquestionably. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's a slam dunk play in cash. Um, in tournaments, I mean, it does limit your ability to uh, get to some of the mid or upper uh, tier receivers that, that you might want access to. Um, so I think in tournaments, I'll probably be paying more towards the center of the pay scale. Uh, got to see what the news is out of, uh, Los Angeles, but I mean, Eckler priced down, you know, $1,300. Uh, if, if Los Angeles isn't ready to just like fully insert Melvin Gordon, I think he's in a really good spot. Um, also have you guys seen if Justin Jackson is expected to be out this week? I mean, that's another kind of concern I have I'd be a little nervous about playing Eckler if he's getting pinched from you know RB1 and RB3 but um, yeah I mean that, that, that's kind of an area I'm looking in. and I think as earlier mentioned Aaron Jones uh, if with no Jamal Williams I think is in a really you know not the greatest matchup but uh, I expect the volume to be there and uh, I think Aaron Jones is like his, his efficiency per touch has always been there the kind of the concerns have been with his volume and um you know, with him as, as, you know, the lead one back. Uh, yeah. I really like Aaron Jones a lot. Yeah. Aaron Jones is the guy that, that's got me pretty excited, especially with no Devonte Adams there, right. They're just going to try and get it to their playmaker more on his price. Uh, no Jamal Williams there to just, he feels like he could have an absolute blow up spot there. Um, Brandon, let's go over to you. What are you kind of doing with the running back position? How's it really shaping up for you? Um, I think, I think in the big field tournaments, I'm going to be punting more than most at the, at the running back position. Um, and then in the say two, 3000 person fields, I'll be, I'll be having a lot of variety. Uh, I do like Kamara a lot just on the eyeball test and the data. Uh, I thought Tampa Bay looked pretty weak. Um, I think he could be in for a really big game. Uh, for me at running back, it will be more about the guys that I'm not playing. I will not play Eckler, uh, based on Gordon being back and the price being high. As I said, I don't expect that game to truly light it up. So I won't be playing Eckler. Um, I will not be playing Gallman just based on talent. I thought he had a, a true ceiling week last week and, I don't expect that game to be very fast paced, so I won't be playing him. Um, I will not be playing Le'Veon Bell. Um, Philly has been very tough against the run, maybe number one against the run. I will just, I don't see the upside. I won't play him. Um, I, um, as I said, we'll just have a scattering of McCaffrey. Um, yeah. So th that pretty much sums up the high price guys that I, that I won't be playing and uh, there'll be a lot of, a lot of variety in from there. 
All righty. Uh, what about, we talked about the mid-tier a little bit with you, Stuart. Let's go back to you, Brandon. Who are the guys you're not playing then in the mid-tier? Because I think that uh, a lot can be won and lost here. I think there are some landmines here. So I'm curious uh, your take on who are some of the guys you don't want to play. Um, well, um, I do want to play Devonta. So mid-tier, we are, what are we saying? Like, like the mid-tier running backs. You talked about, you talked about running backs. You don't. 6,500. Is that, is that what we're, where we're going? Um, I would say let's go from like four net down, I guess, so like 6,400 and below, I guess would be the route. Like, uh, we'd say Eckler is, you know, the, from the top end up. So four net to probably about like the five K ish range. Okay. Um, you guys are skeptical about Mixon. I will, uh, I will say Mixon is a strong play. You should play a lot of Mixon. You know, I, I love Mixon. I think he's a great play. I wasn't skeptical. I think this could be the week he actually finally breaks out, right? Cause it's against the Cardinals and they haven't been, they haven't had a chance to even be in that many competitive games. It feels like. Yeah. Same. I agree. I mean, I think he has been slow so far this year, but I think this is kind of a really great week for him to, to bust out. So with you guys on Mixon. Uh, Fournette as well. Um, the difference between Fournette and Mixon, Mixon sort of historically needs that really strong game script. Fournette is rating pretty high in terms of targets. I think among running backs, he's like somewhere around number five for targets. Um, whereas Mixon uh, is nowhere close to the top five for targets as far as just relying on uh, uh, a couple weeks ago data. Um, so uh, Fournette is a, a safe, strong play. Aaron Jones, as mentioned, is a great play. Dalvin Cook uh, – well, sorry, Dalvin Cook's at the high end. Um, and then um, you get into some guys that I think are – more for large field tournaments. I think Lindsay is a guy I wouldn't play in a thousand person tournament, but would love in a, in a 20,000 person tournament, James White and Chris Thompson, same idea. Um, Derek Henry is a, is a reasonable play, although you're kind of playing for the two touchdown game in a big tournament. Uh, love Devonta Freeman because he's kind of, he hasn't, flashed that ceiling of three years ago but um he i feel like it's still possible and he's he hasn't really hurt you so much so uh i kind of feel like you're definitely getting 12 points and you have some some upside for a possible 30 30 yeah points. yeah brandon Devonte freeman's the team season long guys right like we we're expecting him to pop here at some point and like it's in that high total game like i do think this is a phenomenal Devonte freeman week i would definitely be buying him in big t- big field gpps for sure yeah i mean it's an away game but they want they want him to succeed and the field is getting thinner it's not like the days of having Edo, uh, uh, an ascendant Edo Smith and a talented Tevin Coleman. It's not, it's not that situation. The field is getting thinner. Uh, so he's the guy, and it's going to happen at some point. 
All right, let's uh, Stuart. Stuart, let's go over to you because, like, I got two other guys I want to mention that are in this range. Uh, David Montgomery, right? And these guys are both in the same game. David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs. Uh, I'll give you the sell on Montgomery. I think it's pretty plain and simple, right? They have Chase Daniels now. You expect more of a run-heavy approach, uh, positive game script. Everything could line up there at that price, and uh, he's a guy that I think could get more expensive as the season goes on. So I think we could buy low on the price at fifty-two hundred. Another guy is Josh Jacobs, and I get it. It's the Bears, but this is a high, you know, volume guy. A guy that's like a big part of the offense. The one thing I want to talk about with Josh Jacobs, and it's not just for this week, it's for future weeks. John Gruden discussed how he wanted to get Josh Jacobs more involved last week. He talked about the targets, uh, getting him more receptions. And he got him in the first three weeks, he got him three targets. And in last week in one game against Indy, he got two targets. Again, uh, I'm not saying that two targets is a big deal, but it's, you know, In three weeks, he only got three, and then in one game, he got two. I know those are very small numbers we're working with, but there was some coach speak there. I expect them to start targeting Josh Jacobs more. So what do you think about him as like a volume guy that I know the matchup is terrible, but he is a focal point of the offense? Yeah, I'm certainly intrigued by Jacobs. I mean, the price is there. Um, I I do want to kind of – I haven't given it a super close look, but uh, similar price, like I am intrigued by Carlos Hyde, and I kind of would really want to do due diligence – to understand kind of what we can expect from Hyde. Um, but yeah, I think Jacobs is in a strong spot, uh, just given kind of his established bell cow role, role uh, and, and the price tag. Um, but yeah, I would really want to kind of take some time to think about like handling Jacobs versus like a guy like Chris Thompson, who's similar, similarly priced um, or Carlos Hyde, who's down a little bit from uh, Jacobs. It seems like, uh, I don't know, I'm looking now at Carlos Hyde. It seems like kind of, Oh, I'm sorry. That's his efficiency. Um, touches. Um, damn it. It's all good. Chris, Chris Thompson has historically been uh, quite strong in the play, play from behind uh situation right yeah he it's just it's plain and simple right adrian peterson won't be in the game if they're if they're behind right they're just naturally going to play chris thompson and on a, a site like DraftKings, ppr is big uh and he's also a guy that can pop off right uh, he's a guy that has that speed that if he gets to the next level he could be gone he's tough to catch and just uh can you know rack up a ton of points now in, in that way yeah and new england's um not a horrible not a horrible matchup there. Uh, well, I think the reason why it's also not horrible too is like we know what Belichick likes to do. He likes to take away the number one receiver. And he's okay with just uh, he's okay with just conceding defeat and letting you just take like those low like you know passes to uh, running backs for only two yards and, and such. So uh, again, we're not saying Chris Thompson can get two yards receptions all day, but uh, if you give him a, if you give Chris Thompson like a, a screen pass on the right, he can certainly take it to the house. So, uh, Travis, do you have a, a philosophy of New England running backs? Because uh, there, have, there have been times in DFS where you could just, if you were playing a 150,000-person tournament, you could just have three versions of the same lineup. You have one with White, one with Burkhead, one with Michelle. Uh, and that, that – has had success in certain seasons, but it's been, it's been quite a while since any new England running back was in a winning lineup. It's been a long time. Yeah. I think it's just the Sonny Michelle week, right? Uh, I think it fits his game script perfectly. And I think that's what I would do if I, if I was forced to pick one, but I don't really play too much Patriots running backs. What about you, Stuart? 
Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I think it's uh, – we were talking about, like, receiver uh, shares are kind of tough to figure out. Like, Patriots are one of the running back, you know, backfields where I think their shares are really tough to figure out. And, uh, yeah, I'm typically avoiding uh, Patriots running backs because of that. All righty. I think when we get the Patriots running backs, we might want to move on to the next position. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, anything you want to touch on, Brandon, before we move on to receivers? No, let's do it. All right. Receiver position. And like I said, at the start of the show at the top, I mean, we got two guys that you have to love. Uh, you know, you got Deandre Hopkins, uh, you got Julio Jones, phenomenal plays. You got Keenan Allen, who's certainly intriguing with the target share he's seeing, uh, who knows what's happened with the Dick situation. Thielen could certainly be in play. Larry Fitzgerald chalk week. Uh, I'll take it off with you, Stuart. Uh, talk to me about Larry Fitzgerald chalk. Is that the chalk you want to eat? Um, probably not. I, I haven't really been playing too much of Larry Fitzgerald, um, this season. And, um, I don't know, I, I think receiver, I'm a little more inclined to pay up, uh, for the Allens, the Hopkins, the Joneses, uh, of the world. And also like, I think Michael Thomas is just egregiously mispriced this week. Um, so I think I'm actually looking to come either, uh, up from the middle or down from the middle and try to, you know, work a guy like Auden Tate or Jameson Crowder. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't see myself playing a ton of Fitzgerald this week. All right, uh, Brandon, let's head back to you. And I want to talk to you about, uh, I want to talk with you about the high end receivers. And the reason why I want to talk to you about the high end receivers, Brandon, is because you talk about how these guys, you know, are, are ones you want to pay for every week. You want wide receiver ones. So, uh, tell me that who's your guy, who is your wide receiver ones that you want to, uh, you know, put into your multi-entry field. So for me, it's, it's Hopkins, Thomas and Jones. Um, as we mentioned, there's a strong tendency for the top wide receivers to repeat year after year in a way that running back doesn't necessarily. And these are your guys, Hopkins, Thomas, and Jones. I love these guys. Uh, I love their matchups. I love their historical production. I love their, their distributions for tournaments. They have tremendous upside. Um, guys who I wouldn't want to play are Keenan Allen, Larry Fitzgerald, Adam Thielen, um, Edelman. Uh, and this is because they have somewhat boring distributions for tournaments. Um, and I don't think their matchups are conducive to tournament winning scores. Um, Allen, I would have zero interest in playing a popular Keenan Allen in, in a big field tournament, zero interest. Um, he has a lot of equity. He has high projected fantasy points per salary dollar. Um, but his upside is capped, in my opinion. Um, and the fact that he's popular should should make you less inclined to play him. So, so he's he's not the guy for me. All right, what about you, Stuart? Like last week, I felt like it was impossible to fade Keenan Allen. Like what do you do with Keenan Allen here? Yeah, I mean, I think in cash, he makes a lot of sense. Uh, like Brennan said, the equity is there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's has kind of as much upside as uh, like a Julio Jones or Hopkins. Um, so, you know, I, I think kind of that's where, as Brennan said, like I'm going to be uh, spending most of my money. Um, so, yeah. So uh, these guys are going to, the guys that I like are going to be very popular. So Thomas, as we said, is priced too low for the matchup. Uh, this is this game goes off 
many many years this this matchup and and even we, even though we have Bridgewater at the helm I still think it could be a high scoring game Thomas is is underpriced by a lot he's going to be very popular um Jones and Hopkins are going to be popular because they have everything going for them perfect matchup high upside high equity um also this is going to be a popular game to stack the Atlanta Houston game and it lends itself quite well to stacking because all of the plays are high equity so I think what you're going to have is you're going to have many lineups with three of the of these five Hopkins Fuller Ridley Hooper Jones um and then if you choose like Hopkins Fuller you you pair with Deshaun Watson if you choose two of Ridley Hooper Jones, you pair with uh, Matt Ryan. And um, frankly, as simple as this tournament build is, uh, it's a a winning tournament build by the data because this is a game that is in fact highly likely to go off, is in fact reasonably likely to be the highest uh, scoring game on the slate. And all of these plays are, are great equity plays that correlate well with each other. Um, and really, okay, if you think about what you want from your, from your quarterback, a winning tournament quarterback, you basically want four touchdowns, 350 to 450 yards. That's kind of, that's kind of what, what you're playing for. Um, and these teams both set up perfectly for that because you can have Deshaun, if you're pairing Deshaun Hopkins Fuller together, what you're kind of saying is you want Deshaun to uh, throw four touchdowns. You don't care if the distribution is two and two or three and one, but that's kind of what you want to happen. And you want all the touchdowns to be those two guys. Um, And if your stack is, say Jones Hooper same concept you want the you're you're kind of hoping that Ryan throws for four touchdowns and he hits Jones for three and Hooper for one uh Jones Ridley same idea but it's 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 sort of a perfect tournament build and I think it'll be very popular yeah for sure uh Stuart uh you know I'm sure you like Ridley and Fuller but tell me some of these like uh mid-range and lower wide receivers you like and then we get, we, get, we don't got too much time left so we'll have to move on over to tight end but tell me quickly so who are some of the guys that you're really keying in on in this mid-tier and cheap range um I mean I kind of discussed earlier the uh Pittsburgh Baltimore game uh like you know intrigued by Hollywood Brown is a tournament option uh but what I struggle with is like who to run it back with Pittsburgh uh Deontay Johnson fuels like the best opportunity there. Um, so that's kind of, I think, a, a mid-tier uh, or mid-price game stack that you could uh, try to build some uh, off Atlanta Houston lineups around. Uh, so those are two guys I'm looking at. And then also we discussed like Will Fuller, um, you know, everyone's kind of waiting for him to pop at some point. And uh, I think you're definitely going to want to sprinkle him in and uh, get some exposure to uh, the possibility that he does this week. 
Yeah, I agree on that. One last receiver question I have for you, and you can sprinkle in who you also like if there's any other guys you want to talk on, Brandon, but uh, what do you do with Golden Tate at 4,500 on FanDuel this week? Uh, you're a big tournament guy. Do you just eat that because it's so much salary relief and he's in such a you know interesting spot? Uh, we just don't see a guy like this at this price, and it's a total error on FanDuel's part. Um, yeah, so I haven't... I haven't played as much FanDuel this year. I'm not as familiar with how tight the pricing is. Uh, 4,500 is mid-priced, right? It's it's min-priced. So yeah, it's like it's basically saying like it's Golden Tate is yeah, Golden Tate is 3K essentially on DraftKings. I'm saying like wh- what are you doing with that? Because and the thing on FanDuel that's nice is if you do that, you are able to get in all like you're able to make a lot of superstar lineups like with just like paying up for these really good running backs and receivers. Yeah. Um, I think you should go go for it and play play four four wide receiver lineups. Play a uh, wide receiver in the flex and just lo- probably lock that in as one of your one of your wide receiver plays. I, again, I haven't I've looked at the pricing this week fairly carefully on on DraftKings. I haven't looked at FanDuel, so I can't say I can't say for sure that's a build. But just historically speaking, if you have that that type of play at uh, at the min price, you should you should plug that in and play four wide receivers. Fair enough. I just think it's a really good conversation this week, obviously, that we want to kind of discuss, but that, I think you said it pretty well. Let's move on over to tight end. And uh, listen, tight end is not that pretty this week. Uh, it's not good. You got Ertz at the top, and I think he's worth spending on if you want to. Uh, we don't love the matchups for Waller and Ingram that much, especially with Golden Tate coming back. I think in the mid-range, Austin Hooper is the chalk that uh, you want to consider. And I also think Tyler Eifert, right? Uh, the whole Will Disley against the Cardinals last week, everyone was all over that. And I'm expecting them to just, just do the same with Eifert so they can jam in their top tier running backs uh Stuart what about you how are you approaching the tight end yeah with you on Eifert uh just seems like there's too much talent at the kind of top of the wide receiver and running back uh pay scale so gonna try to probably pay down at tight end and defense uh Mark Andrews is a guy I'm intrigued by and if I'm you know gonna run some of those Baltimore stacks uh probably work him in there but yeah mostly keying on Eifert Brandon, what about you? How are you approaching the tight end position? Because, uh, you know, it's it's a little all over the place. Like, it's not a pretty tight end week. Yeah. Um, given that the pricing is not so tight elsewhere this week, uh, I would be inclined to pay up for your top guys, to pay up for uh, Mark Andrews, for, for Ertz, for Ingram. I will be doing that uh, probably with, say, two-thirds of the lineups and then for the other third – uh, I'll play uh, Hooper. Um, would l- look to play Hooper in the in the game stack type uh, situations. Um, Jimmy Graham, I think, is a good play. Uh, he had he had some very high quality targets last week, and I think I think he's a he's a good play at forty three hundred. Kind of going for that two touchdown possibility um any interest in jimmy graham i mean if Devonte adams can't go is he someone that you want to kind of attack no, there at the- did, i i did just say jimmy graham right did i say something different i'm sorry uh, I, you- I meant i meant to say jimmy graham when i was just saying that he had high quality targets oh i saw you you may have mentioned it now i'm just looking at the time because i know we're getting close so uh, i was trying to just get the you know closing thoughts together so yeah you may have mentioned jimmy graham uh yeah he's a phenomenal play though definitely someone that uh you know talking about Devonte adams being possibly being out we didn't talk about scantling and allison that much we talked about him a little bit i believe you touched on him brandon but those are two guys too that 
you know, as the week goes on, if Adams gets ruled out, they're going to gain a ton of traction or really good plays. Um, any other guys that you're interested in, Stuart, at the tight end position? Yeah, no, I like Graham. I haven't given him that much uh, of a look, but yeah, I do think he's an interesting leverage playoff Jones uh, as well. You know, if he could, uh, you know, hawk a couple of Jones touch or a touchdown from Jones, like, you know, that's an interesting uh, kind of way to get off of Jones and uh, be contrarian there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we got to kind of get on out of here, though. I'll leave you guys with uh, two questions. Uh, one, Brandon, you can give us our final thoughts. But before we get to that, uh, gather your thoughts on, uh, you know, a key thing of the slate for the people, Brandon. Uh, but Stuart, who are your top three, uh, you know, air yards projection games? You talk about the Rams and Bucks being a great one. I believe you mentioned it earlier, but give it to the people again, because people love stacks. And uh, who are three of the air yards games you really think can shoot out? Yeah, so I mean, uh, Houston, Atlanta is is way up there. I think they're two and four, if I remember correctly, in our uh, model at the moment. And uh, Baltimore, Pittsburgh also is kind of sneaky up there. Um, so that that's another one I'm looking at. And uh, the third, I'm kind of not really remembering any sort of any single game that's really clumping together. Uh, I mean, Tampa Bay as as an island team is projecting for a lot of air yards, and I do think like there is. Uh, opportunities to run back like Michael Thomas or Kamara. So, uh, yeah, those are probably like the three I would be looking at, uh, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Atlanta, Houston, Baltimore, Pitt. Yeah, I think the thing that works with the Saints is you're getting those low eight-out targets from Bridgewater, but that works for Kamara and Thomas because it fits the DraftKings scoring really well, getting all those PPR, eating that throughout uh, up and down the field. Uh, Brandon, final thoughts to the slate. Uh, give the people a nugget to take out before they uh, get on out of here. Sure. So I, I think this sets up nicely as a, as a slate where you can get somewhat creative and uh, play a little bit more, more variety than you have in previous weeks. Keep in mind also that the millionaire maker this week has a $100,000 bonus if you get the top combination of QB and, and pass catcher. So uh, it's worthwhile to take advantage of those 5,000 to 1 odds and try to, try to find that perfect combo. Um, I, w- I will be definitely uh, coming up with some very creative bills trying to get there. Um, also, uh, maybe Stuart and I will, will plug some of our past advanced sports analytics uh, research about how to how to stack properly. Um, but one thing to keep in mind is that you have had a lot of millionaire maker builds that stack quite aggressively. So say having Houston plus uh, having two Houston guys and four Atlanta guys or something along this line, like that, that's at the, at the, the range of possibilities, but you, you can consider lineups like that. You don't just have to have the quarterback and two wide receivers. You can, you can go all the way with the game stack and it, it hits, it, it has hit, uh, more often than than you would intuitively think. Uh, I think our we've hit time, so that's it. I enjoyed it as always, guys. Yeah, it was an awesome show. Thanks a lot for joining us. We gotta get out of here though. For me, Travis Mangone, for Stewart and Brandon Adams, we are gone. 